Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 10. Embark their effects for the inhabited island. Mr. Wingfield marries his cousin and proceeds in the work of conversion. He relates by what means he came to the knowledge of her being in that part of the world. The next morning, my cousin set out with a sufficient number of canoes and brought all his things over. Besides a proper stock of clothes for himself and some useful books, he had, as if certain of finding me living, and the naked inhabitant of a desolate island, brought over apparel for me. The linen indeed was very acceptable to me, as I now began to be in great want of it. I was very much pleased to see a basket with about a dozen live fowls, cocks, and hens. With these the island was soon stocked, and were very pleasing to the Indians, who had never seen any before. But what were these to the many other things the Indians had never seen before, at which they wondered and were delighted with? A gun, and the surprising effects of gunpowder, a telescope, and many other European curiosities, and without which, indeed, they were sufficiently happy. However, the sight of these raised in them a high opinion of my cousin, next to that they had for me. I passed my time happily enough before my cousin's arrival, but more so afterwards, for from his presence I enjoyed a new advantage. We now had divine service every Lord's Day, which my cousin performed in English, and I was interpreter, till he had learned the Indian language, which he did much sooner than could have been well expected and at last preached in the Indian tongue. I had now the great pleasure of once more enjoying all the ordinances of the church and the constant company of a religious and sensible companion, who, through his constant importunity, I was at last obliged to give my hand, about two months after his arrival. We first married ourselves according to the church rites, the high priest acting as father, who died about a week after. We were also married according to the custom of the Indians, that they might the more perfectly be satisfied, their form having nothing in it contrary to our religion. From the time of my cousin settling here, or rather my husband, as I must now for the future call him, the Indians were properly baptized, married, and many of them, at their earnest desire, admitted to the Lord's Supper. My husband and I spent much of our time in teaching the Christian religion to the children, he the boys and I the girls, so that what with catechizing and his preaching twice a week, we had greatly the appearance of a Christian country. The natural simplicity and purity of the Indian manners greatly accelerated this work. 
Being now more at leisure, I desired my husband to recount to me at large what he had at first but briefly told me of, concerning his learning where I was, and of the captain who had robbed me, and set me on the uninhabited island. It was thus. There came one day, said my husband, a seafaring man to my father, who inquired of him if he had not a niece at Virginia of the same name with himself. To this my father replied that he had a brother and niece at that place, if they were not come away, for that he had expected them some months, his brother having sent over great parts of his effects, which he had received, and whom had informed him by letter that he and his daughter would soon follow. But added he, do you, sir, know anything of them? Yes, sir, replied the stranger. Your brother, I am sorry to inform you, died just as he was about to set for England. I am very much concerned to hear of my dear brother's death, but as to my niece, does she intend to come over to England or to continue there? Perhaps she has sent you with orders concerning her effects. As to your niece, I do not come from her. I never was at Virginia in my life, nor did I ever see her. Yet I have some news to acquaint you with concerning her, but which I am sorry to say will give you much concern. Indeed, after hearing of the death of my brother, I shall be still farther grieved to hear of any affliction that may have befallen my dear niece, but God's will be done. Pray let me hear it, whatever it is. I shall be ready to give you all the information that I can about her, but as I cannot do so in a few words, I must beg your patience, whilst I relate to you circumstantially all the particulars that I know. I am, sir, a captain of a merchant ship. As we were sailing from the West Indies, for this my native country, we met with a sail, which fired a gun for us to bring to. This alarmed us, for as it was a time of peace, I feared it might be a pirate, as indeed it proved, but happily one from whom we received not the least injury, as you will hear. We were in no wise capable of defending ourselves, the pirate being a ship of force. We therefore were obliged to suffer them to come aboard us. As soon as the captain got upon deck, he addressed himself to me in these words. Be not alarmed, I am indeed a pirate, but design no hurt to you. I come on board only to ask a favor, which you can easily grant, if you, as I see you are my countrymen, are bound to England. If not, I will return to my own ship and leave you unmolested to pursue your own course. I am bound, sir, for England, and if I can render you any service there, I will readily and faithfully do it. If you please, I will go into your cabin with you and there open my business more fully. According to his request, Captain Shore, for that he told me was his name, and his mate and I retired into my cabin, when he soon resumed his discourse in this manner. I was a few years ago, as I find you are, a merchant captain. But having very bad success, I proposed to my mate here to turn pirate, to which he consenting, we broke our intentions to the crew, who too readily agreed to our proposal. However, we all resolved never to commit a murder, and rather quit our prey than kill any, if we could not otherwise get master of them. And this resolution we have happily kept to this moment. We have been very successful in our robberies but not daring to put into any port in these parts, and as little to return to England, we sought for and found 
a small uninhabited island where we stored our treasures and at times resided. This was very privately situated and where we were in no danger of being discovered and lay very convenient to put a sea from and retreat to as we saw occasion. The last prize we made was in this manner. Discovering a small ship, we, as usual, made what sail we could till we came pretty near to her, and then fired a gun for her to bring to. As she was a ship of no force, and we had our guns out ready to fire upon her, she immediately surrendered. As soon as we came on board, we saw an Indian hanging up alive and bleeding at the yardarm. I asked the captain the meaning of this cruel treatment. He replied that he was a very wicked fellow and had thrown him overboard, and that he and five others of his countrymen had conspired to murder all the crew and run away with the ship, but that he and his men had overpowered and killed the five others. Though this seemed very plausible, such things often happening at sea, yet I could not help observing a confusion in the countenance of the captain, which destroyed the credit of his story. Naturally a boring cruelty, and suspecting something bad, I ordered the Indian to be immediately taken down and his wounds to be dressed. Being determined to make what inquiry I could into this affair, I ordered the captain and the poor Indian to be carried, for indeed he could not walk, to go down into the cabin with me and my mate, and here a dismal scene presented. The floor and wainscot of the cabin all smeared with blood, and two female Indians wounded and bleeding, who seemed to start with horror at the sight of the captain. Having imposed silence on the captain, I ordered the women to give me an account of what had happened, which, as well as their fright and weakness would permit, they did, and the poor Indian, in a few words, not being able to speak much, confirmed what the women had said. But the captain absolutely denied their relation, and appealed to the crew who confirmed his denial. But suspecting the captain to be guilty, here Mr. Wingfield Sr. interrupted him somewhat peevishly. Pardon me, sir, cried him. You are very prolix. I am confounded and want to know what all this has to do with my niece. The part of the world, the slaves, alarm me. Let me know the worst at once. Was my niece murdered, sir, on board this ship? No, sir, she was not, and may yet be living, for aught I know to the contrary. May yet be living? You talk mysteriously. I thought you came to tell me news about her, and you only say she may yet be living? I abhor suspense. If you know anything concerning her, tell it me at once. Honored sir, don't be in such a hurry. You will offend the gentleman, and we may never come to the perfect knowledge of this affair. Sir, I take no offense. I attribute your father's interruption to his concern for his niece, but cannot give him the information he wants, except in the manner I was going to do it. If it be agreeable, I will proceed. I am warm of temper, sir. The subject is very interesting, and in affection I know no difference between my niece and my daughter. I hope, therefore, you will excuse my rude interruption and be pleased to proceed in your own way. I am satisfied. I left off, I think, with saying that notwithstanding the captain's denial of what the Indians accused him of, and though backed by his crew, that Captain Shore still thought him guilty. You did good, sir. What am I next to hear? Poor Unka. I was determined, said Captain Shore, to come to the bottom of this affair, and therefore made every inquiry that I could. The account the Indians gave me was this. 
that their mistress's name was Unka Eliza Wingfield, that her father, a very rich man, had lately died at Virginia, that she was coming over to England to an uncle, her father's brother, a clergyman, that she had great riches on board the ship, and that the ship was also hers, which she had promised to give upon her arrival in England to the captain, who took care of it for her, and who was a poor broke man, that the captain would have forced her to sign a bond to marry his son upon their arrival in England where he lived, that upon her absolute refusal to sign this bond, he threatened to put her upon some uninhabited island, saying this in the hearing of her two male slaves, who loved her dearly, he who had been hung up at the yard arm, and another threw the captain out of the cabin window into the sea, but that swimming to the ship he was taken up again, when at the head of his men he came into the cabin, murdered five of the male Indians, and hung the sixth up at the yardarm, intending there to let them die, and then put their mistress upon a desolate island, and was proceeding to sail away with the ship and all their mistress's effects. End of chapter 10 Elevate your daily routine with the serenity of SaulGoodSounds.com Perfect for those on the go. Immerse in premium ad-free sounds for just $10 a month. Enhance focus and relaxation. Visit SaulGoodSounds.com now and transform your everyday. Experience the best in relaxation and entertainment with Saul Good Streaming at SaulGood.org. Our extensive library features hundreds of audiobooks, thousands of short stories, original podcasts, and popular sounds for sleep, meditation, and relaxation all ad-free. Whether you want to escape into a good book or fall asleep to your favorite ambient sound, we have something for everyone. Go to SaulGood.org to start streaming and discover your new go-to for entertainment and relaxation. That's S-O-L-G-O-O-D dot O-R-G.